0: The Edge is copyright 2006 by Scott Wittenberg. To learn more about this and other novels by the author, please visit scottwittenberg.com. And be sure to check out The Mayday Murders, another free podcast currently available by Scott Wittenberg. Chapter 12 When she entered, Ellen found herself in an enormous, stunningly furnished room. Its decor was a striking mixture of the past, similar to that of ancient Rome, and the future, The room itself was actually sunken, with four wide marble steps leading down to it. Upon the floor, which was also of white marble, sat an array of tastefully crafted furnishings, including a sumptuous love-seat, a clear acrylic coffee-table, and an odd but appealing pair of wicker chairs. In the very center of the room sat an elegant fountain that was the most striking feature of the ensemble to beholder. Standing in the middle of a large circular pool of water was a gold statue of what resembled a Roman goddess reclining on a lofty cloud. Jets of water sprayed upwards from the circumference of the pool as concealed lights illuminated the entire fountain in a dazzling rainbow of colors. The total effect was absolutely breathtaking. Ellen observed the walls bordering the room that were pure white and adorned with several Renaissance-like painting and murals, as well as an assortment of framed documents resembling ancient scrolls. As her eyes gazed up to the ceiling, she was astounded to find that it was transparent and that the sky was completely visible through it. Just as she became aware of the soft, electronic music pervading this ethereal setting that came from out of nowhere, a man wearing a long white robe and carrying a tray entered from across the room. Ellen recognized him as being the same man she had seen on the screen in the spacecraft, just after they had blasted off from Earth. This was the Overseer, in the flesh. "'Good afternoon, Ellen,' he greeted pleasantly as he made his way down the marble steps. "'Please join me. I suspect you are hungry after making your journey here.' His voice was cheerful and tranquil. Ellen felt her previous fears vanishing rapidly as she descended the steps and made her way over to where he was standing. "'Thank you, sir,' she said, recalling the respect that Orta had paid him. "'Please make yourself comfortable,' he said, gesturing toward the love-seat. "'I hope you will find this food to your liking. It will refresh you.' Ellen sat down as the overseer set the tray down on the coffee-table. He poured a steaming hot black beverage into a couple of silver cups and handed one of them to her. "'Thank you,' she said. "'What is this?' "'Why, it's tea, my dear, with just a hint of spice,' he replied with a grin." Ellen took a sip of the steaming brew. It's delicious, and very good for the spirits, I might add. The overseer sat down in one of the wicker chairs across from her. Ellen took one of the pastries from a dish and took a bite. It was some sort of croissant with seasoned vegetables inside, and absolutely delicious. This is scrumptious. I'm glad you approve. It is called a rooster, quite nourishing and extremely satisfying to the palate. As she ate, Ellen gazed over at the man who was known as the overseer. Although he appeared to be around seventy, there seemed to be a quality of agelessness in his face. There was something in his twinkling eyes that suggested great wisdom and intelligence, as well as vitality. His voice was controlled and tranquil, as was Orta's and Vars, but even more so. His presence in the room made Ellen feel remarkably relaxed, and the aura that seemed to emanate from him gave her an almost elated sense of feeling, the likes which she had never known before. A thought suddenly occurred to her. Maybe he was a religious leader of some kind. That would explain the robe he was wearing and his obvious eminence. You are correct for the most part. However, leader is not quite the appropriate term, he said suddenly. Ellen was stunned. He had read her mind. His eyes seemed to look right through her as he spoke. Allow me to anoint your wandering thoughts. I am known as the overseer, and I am just that, in the literal sense of the word. I watch over the state of affairs. I am not the first, nor will I be the last, to bear this title. I am respected as such, granted, but I am no better or loftier than any other person on Tarez. I am merely fulfilling my purpose, as all humans do, and I shall one day leave just as those before me have left. Although I don't expect you to fully comprehend all that I am saying, you may rest assured that you aren't expected to understand. It is only pertinent that you listen to me as you would listen to a friend, and to respect my words for what benefit you will gain from them. Finally, I request that you refrain from questions, for in the end there will be no need for them. You will be made aware of all that is needed to be known. Do you understand me, Ellen? Yes, sir, Ellen replied. The severity in his voice had made her sit up straight in the love-seat as he spoke. Very well. "'the overseer said. "'He took a cup of tea and his voice softened somewhat as he continued. "'I don't wish to intimidate you in any way, "'and I apologize if my words have had that effect. "'I am only telling you these things because it is necessary, I feel, "'that you realize the status of certain affairs. "'Time is a vital factor here, and soon you will discover why this is so. "'Hence, for the sake of brevity, "'I shall explain to you why you now find yourself here on Torres "'as expeditiously as possible.' The Overseer paused and got up from the chair. After pouring more tea into both of their cups, he returned to his chair and continued. At this moment, Ellen, you are experiencing what is spiritually referred to as the Edge. You are quite literally suspended between life and death, teetering on a very narrow edge, so to speak. On this very day, back on the planet Earth, you attempted to commit suicide. Do you recall this, Ellen? The Overseer peered at her sternly. Ellen sat stunned. What was he asking her? Had she heard him right? Surely she had misunderstood him. Surely! Ellen heard her voice tremble as she spoke. "'I'm sorry, sir, but what did you just ask me?' The overseer held a stare. His eyes were transfixed on hers. "'I am asking you to recall the events that occurred prior to Order's arrival at your residence. Please think back, Ellen. You must try and remember what you did in your dwelling.' before you retired for the night. Ellen gazed at him through eyes that were hazy and fearful. What had she done last night? As she struggled to remember, she was shocked to discover that her mind was a complete blank. Why couldn't she remember? Why wouldn't her mind surrender that memory? She strained even harder. She had been in her apartment. That much she could remember. She had been at the studio all day, and had come home and made her usual drink. Wait a minute. "'Suddenly it came back to her, but in a series of fragments. "'She had come home from work and made her usual drink. "'Then she had put on some music and sat down on the couch in the living room. "'Then what? "'She had fallen asleep on the couch. "'Then she had awoken. "'She remembered that the record was skipping on the phonograph, "'and that she had thought it odd that she had suddenly dozed off, "'for it wasn't like her. "'Then what? "'Then she had drunk a few more drinks "'and looked over at some of the photographs she had printed earlier that day.' But she hadn't looked at them all. For some reason, she had gotten frustrated and started drinking more heavily. Then she had gone out on the balcony and fallen asleep again. When she had awoken, she had been angry that she couldn't stay asleep. She had been furious, in fact. Then what had happened? She'd gone back inside for some reason. For what reason? She couldn't remember. What did she do when she went back inside? Suddenly, it hit her the Valiums. She had eaten enough to knock out an elephant. She had tried to kill herself. "'Oh, my God!' she cried. Ellen burst into sobs. There was one and only one thought that tortured Ellen relentlessly as she wept. She had tried to kill herself. It was real. It had really happened. She wasn't dreaming it or imagining it. She had tried to kill herself.' The blunt fist of reality struck her a blow that felt like she had run head-on into a speeding Mack truck. There would never be any escaping it for the rest of her life. She had tried to kill herself. Ellen began crying harder. Her tears burned her eyes like a flaming hot poker. Her convulsions made her feel a knot in her stomach that got tighter and tighter with each sob. "'Oh, Lord, why did I do it?' she asked herself. "'Why?' She felt the overseer sit down beside her as a strong reassuring presence entered her body from his. His arm encircled her as he cradled her head against his shoulder. "'There, now. It's all right.' His voice was peaceful and soothing. There was great strength and reassurance in his voice. "'All will be fine,' his voice was saying. "'Somehow, someway, everything is going to be all right.' Ellen opened her eyes. Her tears began to subside she saw the white fabric of the overseer's robe and felt him patting her back in consolation she slowly withdrew herself and faced him as he spoke his eyes were as comforting as his words you needn't fret any longer ellen for the tears you shed should be a revelation to you indeed they confirm the very reason why you are here now sitting beside me and hearing the words that i am speaking what i am telling you my dear is that you are being given another chance at life I dare say that had you truly wanted to take your own life, you would indeed be quite lifeless now. By the spiritual powers I possess, your life has been spared. So now, Ellen, you may stop weeping. Your mind must be clear and sober for what I am about to tell you. As she gazed into the overseer's eyes, Ellen felt her sorrow and fears vanish. She managed to compose herself somewhat before he continued. "'It will undoubtedly come as a surprise to learn that you are not the first earthling to visit Tares. The fact is that there have been scores before you throughout the past, and I suppose there will be more in the future to come,' he added somewhat disconcertedly. Ellen was thunderstruck. "'You're telling me that there have been other people from earth here?' "'Yes, Ellen. Please allow me to explain.' The overseer arose from the love-seat and returned to the wicker chair. I am sure that you have become aware of the striking differences between Terez and Earth in the brief time you've been here. What you see on Terez is essentially what Earth is, stripped of the negative forces that consume it. Terez is a model of how life could be for your people, if only they would realize the grave mistakes they are making. And those mistakes lie within the very people themselves, for a civilization is the ultimate product of what its people have made it. What is lacking among the people of Earth is love and the essential desire for togetherness. Selfishness is consuming everyone. Hate and greed abound everywhere. The results of these negative forces are blatantly apparent. Wars, starvation, pollution, violence, terrorism, and so on. It is most disturbing. He paused for a moment, then continued. However... I don't feel the need to lecture you about Earth and her problems, for I'm sure that you are quite aware of them. It is only significant for you to realize the severe effects and consequences of selfishness, which leads us back to why you are here. You, Ellen, like each of the others preceding you, have been transported to Tarres so that you might come to realize that there is indeed much hope in your life." The overseer paused again. Ellen was on the edge of her seat as she listened. I know all about you, Ellen. I know that you lost both of your parents in an air disaster when you were only seventeen years of age. I know that you blamed yourself for their deaths, and in effect have tortured yourself throughout your subsequent life. You have tried to atone for your guilt by alienating yourself from others to pursue your career, thinking that absolute success at any cost will justify your own misgivings. You have felt an absolute and essential need to be alone, and have refused to love, or allow yourself to be loved by any other mortal soul. You have become vain and bitter. You have tried to love yourself, but you have failed. The result being that you have only managed to despise yourself. But deep inside, there has always been someone trying desperately to get out, to love and to be loved. This inner being surfaced when you met a young man named David, but only for a short time. You extinguished that yearning in your typical, methodical way and retreated back into your lonely shell. The overseer took a sip of tea, peering once more into Ellen's receptive eyes. He smiled understandingly, and his voice softened somewhat. I feel pity for you, my dear, and I know how frustrating your life has been for you you have waged a war against yourself and have allowed virtually no one to mediate between the opposing sides. In fact, your Uncle Stephen is the only person you have ever really let into your life since your parents' untimely deaths. There has always been a deep bond of love between him and yourself, but typically you have all but denied that to yourself. Yes, Ellen, you have been your own worst enemy. In a word, you have been lonely. Ironically, just when you finally admitted that to yourself, you tried to destroy yourself in a fit of utter selfishness and weakness. This was a severe mistake on your part. I hope you realize that now. Do you, Ellen? Yes, sir, I do. Very well, then. This is all I want to hear you say. Suddenly, a door slid open from the far end of the room. An elderly man emerged, and Ellen immediately recognized him as the same old man she had seen during her taxi ride on the east side. "'Excuse me, sir. It's just about time,' the old man said. "'Very well. Ellen, allow me to introduce you to Jeannette. I believe you may recall seeing him before?' "'Yes, sir, I do,' Ellen replied. Jeannette merely smiled at her, and remained standing in the doorway, his eyes twinkling. "'We will be joining you momentarily, Janut,' the overseer said. "'Yes, sir,' Janut replied, then turned and went back through the door. The overseer sighed. "'I am afraid we don't have much time, so I will briefly explain what is to happen. First of all, you will soon be returning to Earth, Ellen. You will find yourself back in your dwelling, alive and well. You will recall nothing about coming to Taraz and none of the subsequent events that have occurred during your visit here.' You will awake refreshed and in extremely high spirits, forgetting all that I have told you and all that I am telling you now. You will feel redeemed and will indeed have a crisp new outlook on life. You will be unable to recall that you attempted to take your own life the night before." The overseer paused for a moment, as if contemplating what he was about to say next. Then he continued, "'There is a great deal of loneliness on earth, Ellen, much more than her inhabitants are aware of. "'This loneliness is certainly nothing new, but has become so prevalent that there is much reason for concern. It is absolutely imperative that this destructive trend be reversed. You must be made to help one another,' he cried emphatically. Apparently nonplussed by this sudden outward display of emotion, the overseer closed his eyes briefly as if to calm himself. Ellen looked on in bewilderment. Then he resumed.' When you return to earth, Alan, you may very well have the opportunity to reverse this trend. To be a model, so to speak. If your will is both strong and sincere, you can succeed in doing something that no other human being from earth has done before. Furthermore, if you succeed, your life could possibly set an example for your earthly brothers and sisters, one by which they can learn from and thrive upon. I can see by the way you are looking at me that you are puzzled by the words I am saying but don't fear. You aren't expected to understand them. Perhaps you may one day understand. Perhaps you may not. At this moment, it is academic. My greatest concern right now is you and your future outlook on life. I can only hope and pray that you will open your eyes and see all the beautiful things that life has to offer. Life is a most precious thing, and love is the fuel that propels it. Without love, this most precious of fuels, life stalls and sputters, And can in fact cease to exist. There is a popular saying on earth that I feel applies to what I am trying to convey to you. You must stop and smell the roses. This is the key, Ellen. The overseer paused once again, as if to let what he was saying sink in. Then he said, Do you understand what I am trying to say, Ellen? I believe I do, she replied with a smile. It does my heart good to see you smiling again, Ellen. It becomes your beauty so perfectly. You needn't worry about anything, as long as you can maintain that wonderful smile. The overseer stood up. Please follow me, Ellen. He waited for Ellen to join him before leading the way to the door he had come through when she had first entered. The door slid open, revealing a beautiful sunlit garden. The overseer took Ellen's hand and led her through one of the rows of flowers toward a huge plate-glass window at the other end. He stopped briefly and examined what looked like a small orchid plant. "'Ah, much better,' he said as he ran his finger along the edge of one of the little plant's leaves. "'I believe you're going to pull through after all.' Then he resumed strolling down the row with Ellen at his side. When they reached the window, Ellen was delighted to see the same spectacular view of Sanguine she had earlier seen with Orta on the roof. The view seemed even more beautiful now. For a brief moment, they both stood and gazed out in silence at the city of Sanguine. Then the overseer said— I feel regret that you won't be able to see more of our planet, Ellen. However, I feel assured that you have experienced enough here to have gotten a grasp of how life is lived among the inhabitants, and how that life has made them who and what they are. Love thrives, and the benefits from that love make Tarez and its people the entity it is. Although you will indeed forget all that you have seen and heard here, you will retain a sort of feeling from all that you have experienced." If you let this feeling grow and flourish, you will be forever happy. But if you deny yourself that feeling, well, it will be most regretful. That decision will be yours, of course. Do you understand what I am saying, Ellen?" Before she could answer, Ellen became aware of an odd sensation as she stared out at the two moons looming just over the horizon of the ocean. For a fleeting moment, she could almost sense that her mother and father were watching her now and she could feel their presence in her body. Then, as quickly as it came, the sensation suddenly ceased. But the feeling remained. "'Yes, sir. I understand. "'Very well. Now we must join Janot in the chamber. "'When we arrive there, please pay close attention to all that he says, Ellen, "'for it is most important. "'He may be very old, but Janot is also very wise.' He is also capable of some truly amazing powers, which you will soon discover. The overseer took Ellen by the hand and led her to a door adjacent to the plate-glass window. He paused and smiled serenely. Everything will be fine, Ellen. Just relax, and soon you will be back on Earth.